Hey, Jay. It's Chad. Long-time listener. Definitely not a first-time caller. Thank you so much for having me on the program all the times that you have. Also, congrats on all the funding that's come through to keep RushCast moving forward. Weekly episodes, longer episodes, the fans know where it's at. And we know that you're not going to let us down. Can't wait to see what you have in the near future. Stoked. Now, what song did I just play and beat to death because I loved it so much? I can name a few, but I'm going to keep it with just one for right now. That's Freeze of Vapor Trails. Jay, you know more than anybody how much I love that tune. Well, I loved it so much that I actually haven't listened to it that much over the last year or two. I will say this, that I actually think the original version in 2002 was the better version between that and what was remastered and re-released just a few years ago. That's another conversation for another time. Take care, man. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. Rock on. And I'm going to help you beat it to death some more, Chad. Sorry, bud. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna listen to it a little bit more here. And guess what? I'm going to play the remix version because I think that one's better. Welcome to RushCast. My name is Jay Mantis, and sometimes I ramble. Free, listen, Freeze was a song that Chad turned me on to way before RushCast uh, when I had, like, the the rebirth of Vapor Trails for me where I decided I was gonna I was gonna stop hating it and Chad said Freeze is just the best uh, this this remix Chad opened doors for that song it made it allowed you to hear different parts of it but like any song from Vapor Trails that somebody argues is uh, was hindered with the new remix. I understand what you're saying, and that's just that it lost a little bit of life. Um, but before the remix, we all complained that maybe it had a little bit too much life, a little bit too much power. It, it's definitely a, a balanced thing that goes up and down, and I, I totally understand. But I guess what I'm saying is thank you, Chad, for letting me, allowing me to appreciate that song. Um, Freeze is the best. Um, I guess what I'm saying is sorry that you're wrong, Chad. <laughs> Uh, yes freeze is great but sorry that you're wrong the remix is awesome so i I tweeted that if you if you don't follow me on twitter you need to um follow at rushcast 2112 on twitter you can also follow at jmantis if you feel inclined to do so but rushcast will always be rush things and i tweeted that my phone always auto corrects the word to t-o you know a word that you use in almost every text and it changes it to the word Rio. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> right? So now I've got things like, I'm going Rio the store. And this morning I actually texted Alec, who's been on the show a few times. And we were talking about Rush, and it happened. And uh, he's like, oh yeah, I saw you tweet about that. I guess that's a real thing. <laughs> I, I think tomorrow I'm Rio... Wait, I, I think tomorrow I'm going Rio. Listen... What am I trying to say? I think tomorrow I'm going Rio, listen Rio, rush into. <laughs> All right. Follow us on Twitter. Also, uh, we're on iTunes, if you didn't know that. And reviewing, rating and reviewing our show on iTunes does a lot in terms of publicity and getting the word out there that we exist. 
Uh, we have a few people right now that have commented and given us five stars, which is the most amount of stars, and we really appreciate that. Uh, if you like the show, you can go review on iTunes. It would make us all really happy here at RushCast. I talked with Nick L. about Caress of Steel via Facebook. Or not via Facebook, via email. He emailed the show. We talked about, I think I'm going bald. And I thought, you know, the band has such a great sense of humor, and they're known as having this sense of humor. However, I'm always baffled at how they hadn't taken advantage of the song that they wrote in the 70s called I Think I'm Going Bald, when half the guys in the band are going bald. <laughs> if, if, they, if they're able to poke fun at themselves so much, why have they left that song in the vault forever? I don't think they've ever performed it. You know, it was funny at the time, but to record a song called I Think I'm Going Bald. But when that actually happens, I expect you to play it. <laughs> Ironically, I do. I, I, I legitimately thought maybe that was something we would hear on the R40 tour. Just to poke fun at themselves. They do it all the time. Why not go that way? So that's something I w- I've always thought. Why isn't that a thing? I think uh, Nick will be on. Nick L will be on the show down the road, and maybe we'll save his episode and make it a Crest of Steel themed episode. We'll talk just about that album. So <laughs> Carl H tweets at me, and he says, uh, "Have you ever noticed the whistle at the end of territories?" And I'm thinking, "What is he talking about?" I said, "We had a dialogue back and forth before I had a chance to go listen to it." I'm thinking, is it a person whistling? He said, it's, I've, it's always driven me nuts. Now, that song fades out, so it's one of these things you have to be cranking up the volume to hear. Um, but there is like a small whistle, and I, I imagine it's just like an additional synth thrown in there. That song is like, you got to admit, it's one of the heaviest, most densely layered synth songs. But at the end of it, there is a little bit of a whistle. After that conversation, he said, yeah, what about Getty's little yelp at the end of Neurotica? So I thought about the end of Neurotica, and he does that, that huh, huh, like at the very end, which matches the rest of the vocals from that song. And I thought, that's not really a yelp. This, this guy's nuts. Carl was not nuts, because once I responded and said, yeah, 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 that's weird, whatever, uh, you're a crazy person. <laughs> I, I only thought that for a second, Carl. Carl was right. If you crank up the volume while that song is fading, kind of the last note that they hit fades out, there's a yelp. There's a legitimate yelp from Getty Lee. It sounds almost like it was his 27th take in the studio. It was the last song they were recording on the album, and he was just thrilled to be done with it, is the the kind of vibe that I got. But check that out and see if um, if you want to contact me about the, the weird neurotica yelp, feel free. Uh, let's go back to Alec here, who I uh, texted the Rio thing by accident today. A few weeks ago, or maybe a little longer than that, Alec sent me an email and he said, have you ever heard this? It was, he called it the pre-Power Windows demos, okay? And this is fascinating. I, it's been a long time since I found something this interesting um, in terms of audio, in terms of music with this band. It's absolutely incredible. Pre-Power Windows demos, they're recordings of every single song in order. It, we, when you pull it up, and when, he, when I downloaded what he sent me, it looks just like the album Power Windows. It's 
all the individual tracks in the same order, same names. But their recordings done before the album was released and definitely before the arrangements and the songs themselves had been finished um, in terms of being written. And it's fascinating. Uh, the arrangements are very different. The melody changes a bit. You can you can hear where Getty hadn't quite fleshed out what the melody needed to be. It repeats a lot. Some of the big leaps are missing. Uh, the guitar solos are very different. In some cases, they're very similar, and it's kind of surprising. And the biggest thing, there was a humongo lack of synthesizers, which leads to the fact that somebody else, in a third party or a fourth party, as it were, came in and recorded all the synthesizers on that album. But without that guy, I've always wondered how that worked. Did they write with the synths, with this guy? and Or did Getty write on the synths and then bring him in to record? Did they write without synths and add him in later? That last one seems to be correct. As you hear, you know, Grand Designs has the main synth part, but some of the other stuff is missing. Every track on that album had very few synthesizers. So it sounded like they wrote like a trio and then added them in later. Uh, Marathon, I hadn't listened to all of them yet because I only listened this morning. Marathon seemed to be the one that was almost completely polished. Like they had, maybe they had written that first or it had been around the longest. They were the, they played it the best. It sounded almost like it was done. But the rest were, were highly interesting for sure. I don't know where to find that. So I can brag to you that I have it and that I enjoy it and it's something that I like to consume. I don't know what to tell you in terms of you enjoying it. I'm certainly not going to send it to all of you because that would take forever. I think what I could do is ask Alec, who sent it, to, sent it to me, where I could find it. And then I'll tweet that out, and you guys... There you go, that's incentive to follow me on Twitter. I'll just... Yeah, there we go. You, you know what I'm saying. All right. The, like I said last week, having a producer here is just confirmation of anything I say. Then I'm like, you know, yeah, thumbs up, great. Yeah, you're good, boss. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so last week I asked you, what songs have you beaten to death? Bill Bill Meyer, who is becoming known. First of all, I love Bill because he's a regular now. He he he's always responding. Um and he has a good sense of humor. Bill Meyer uh is becoming known notoriously as the Middletown Dreams hater, a song that most of my audience really likes, including myself. And a few weeks ago he mentioned how he couldn't get into it and we kinda uh ragged down him a little bit, but he's got a good sense of humor about it. Uh, Bill pointed out that we are obviously skipping radio hits with this prompt, right? Songs you beat to death. Word, I Most of you got that too, which I'm glad about. I was hoping people weren't going to come in and say, you know what? I can't really... Tom Sawyer, I've just heard it a lot. The Spirit of Radio, I mean, those are a given. And maybe I didn't point that out last week, but most people understood. Bill said that uh, I Think I'm Going Bald was a song he beat to death. He's got a really interesting list here. Circumstances, Natural Science, New World Man, Red Lenses, Available Light, Bravado, Double Agent, Test for Echo, and One Little Victory. I think I said this last week, One Little Victory's got to be top three in terms of songs I beat to death. Um, I texted Chad jokingly the other day and said, I just listened to One Little Victory all the way through without skipping it. (laughs) 
And he said, and you loved it. You cried. I said, no, I cried when I got to uh, Ghost Rider <laughs> for a different reason. But uh, I did enjoy it. It just Sometimes you go through these, through these cycles where you can't listen to a song for a while because you, you beat it to death. You know, these things happen. Here's Nick, Nick L and his audio about the, the, the subject. Hey Jay, the song that I wore out to death is probably The Garden. I listened to that so many times, it just isn't the same. Nick, I would I would venture to say that you are not alone. A lot of people love that song, and I think by now, it being three years old, three years old, four years old, has I'm sure I'm sure there are people who loved the song and now can't stand it. <laughs> or and you know what I mean. Just for the for the time being are not gonna listen to the garden just because they had heard it so much. And here's Jason, Jason Vaughn. Thank you. Hey Jay, Jason Vaughn here again. Uh, songs that I've beaten to death. Circumstances off of Hemispheres. Love to play that song on bass, but I've beaten it to death. Red Barchetta, my second favorite Rush song of all time. If I have to play Red Barchetta, I play the live version now. And Time Stands Still from Hold Your Fire. I have beaten those, that song to death. But I still love them. But I have to listen to like a live version if I'm going to listen to them. All right, take care. That's another really cool list, Jason. Um, that's a very diverse set of three songs. I think I'm probably on the way to beating Time Stand Still to death. Time Stand Still for me is like on the ground with a black eye. And um, I've got a pair of steel, steel toe boots on. <laughs> um, but I do it out of love that I beat that person to death. You know what I mean? All right, here's this week's digital discussion. Let's make a super album, kind of like the Beatles' White Album, right? It's a it's a double album. It's got twice as much material as a normal album on it. Uh, in this case, it'll be 20 songs on this double album. Your super album is going to include one song from each album in order. Hey, do we want to make it in order? I don't like that. It doesn't need to be in order. So the idea here is choosing one song from each album based on where it's at on its own album. So you don't want to choose the first song from each album on your list because the first song on the album is meant to be the first song on the album. If you're going to pick one little victory, it should be first on your super album. If you're going to pick Carve Away the Stone, it should probably be towards the back of your super album. Not to say that you can't pick more than one first song, but that's what I'm looking for here is the sequencing. I've often said that I'm very interested in why songs are chosen to be in their respective places on the album. Why is this song first? Why are these songs in the middle? Why are these songs at the end? I think Rush is really consistent with that. So I'm interested to see where you place them. I'll give you mine next week, my super album. But like I said, if I'm going to pick losing it, it's going to be in the middle of my album somewhere. This album doesn't necessarily represent anything. It's just for you. If you had to pick one song from their from Hold Your Fire. Let's say you wanted Hold Your Fire to be sec- your second tune. Well, then I might I might use Second Nature or Time Stand Still, right? Because that's second on Hold Your Fire. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. And I want to see where you place them. 
um, if any of you also share that weird fascination with where songs are placed on albums, I want to hear from you because I sometimes I'll get into a conversation with somebody in person about, you know, oh, I think it's really cool how this song was placed here on the album, and I totally lose the person I'm talking to. They don't, they're like, I don't, I don't really care, man. Or, or often, um, I had a friend give me an album. Actually, my producer and I had a, a mutual friend. He gave me a, an A Day to Remember album when I was into, like, teenager metal. And the album, for whatever reason, and he said, here's their new album, it's really good, and I loved it. But only later realized, once I had absorbed the album for what it was on this physical CD, I realized the track listing for the real album, not this mix whatever that I ended up with, was like 7, 8, 9, 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. And I was like, no! <laughs> because I, for months I thought that the first track you know, was the first track. In reality, it was 7th. That would have really messed me up. Um, I did not enjoy that. Uh, but the music was still really good. Chad Chadwickko's wife, Lauren, sent me on Twitter, maybe you've seen it, Rushcast pancakes. So uh, <laughs> she drew out Rushcast, made the pancakes. She drew Nick the Squirrel from our, from our album art. <laughs> Nick with a K, K-N-I-C-K, Nick. Nick the squirrel in pancake form. Uh, she so to, collectively it said on a plate with some orange juice next to it, fork knife, rush cast, and then Nick the squirrel with Jay Mantis, uh, and that's awesome. Um, I tweeted it out. There was there were several autocorrect issues, so it said Chan's wife, Lauren. Lauren was spelled wrong, and it changed to to Rio. So, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> uh, so I had to repost with correct spelling. I thought we, maybe we'd leave it. Chad slash Chan messaged me. I was talking to Lauren about it. She was mentioning the typos in the tweet. And I said, yeah, you know, Chad's really cool. I'm really close with Chad. But I, I talked to Jackie a lot more via phone. So the Chan thing. Uh was clear right was it clear or something just (laughs) okay today's new world guest is a person that has been doing something in the rush world that has been extremely interesting to me this person is in charge of fan tunes. Please welcome David Calcano. How's it going, David? Uh, very well. Thank you for having me, Jay. I'm really excited that you uh, are here on the show because when I reached out to you, well, I reached out to you, number one, because I was curious about fan tunes, but two, I had other fans of my show ask me to invite you on. Um, and that's oh. usually a hit or miss thing, so I'm really I'm happy that you were excited to be on the show. Oh, I am. It's, it's, it's an honor, actually. And I'm actually incredibly happy that other people wanted me to be on the show and, uh, and also surprised, to be honest with you. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> so, uh, Fantunes is... It's obvious what it is, but it's hard to get kind of a background on what happened if you just search it on the internet. So how did, how did you end up doing this? Uh, 
it, it's uh, it's a very long story, but uh, without uh, bothering uh, the audience too much, I'll try to cut it as short as possible. <laughs> okay. Um, so basically, I've always uh, loved music, uh, particularly rock and and rock, and uh, I had to find an outlet for uh, for all of that obsession for for music for concerts and. Uh, and I also love animation, right, and and comics as well. So I thought, well, why not combining the two things that I love the most into in, into what became Phantos, which is basically a comic strip and an animated series that basically has fun with many of uh, of the bands that I that I love throughout throughout the years. Uh, so that's, that's how it all came together. Um, we started uh, Phantoms with a much wider Genres actually, we we even did some some pop music people and things like that because I I do love a lot of, uh, of 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 the different genres. But to be honest, we I found out as, as probably many many other many other on other creators that you pretty much have to focus in what you want you love the most. That's why we ended up focusing more on on bands like Rush, bands like. I don't know. Let's say uh, all the all the hard rock bands from the from the eighties and, and the nineties and seventies that I that I really love, things like Kiss and stuff like that. So we started basically just creating parodies uh, with with a character that is based on on my friends and, and myself. It is a character that is just anything and everything that flows to the bands that he loves. So he. He pretty much she goes uh, into backstage and wrecks everything out and goes all the craziness that you could ever imagine that pretty much are based on uh, on a lot of the Warner Brothers cartoons from the 40s and, and the 50s that I, I truly love. So without necessarily going into detail on that, that's, uh, that's the other part of, of Fanchus that I'm trying to bring back to this generation, which is... Um, a lot of uh, that style of animation that got lost uh, many, many years ago, and nobody's doing it anymore, which is the classical 2D animation and the classic uh, uh, drawing style from that era, which is still something that I really, really love. Um, sure. Yeah. Now, so, anyway, that's, that, that's, that, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> how, how big is the book? Is it 200 pages? Is, is that what I read? Yeah, it's a hundred and more than a hundred and eighty pages, actually. Wow, uh, is that necessarily always one comic per page? Um, usually, yes. I mean, the, the and I'll tell you a little bit uh, around the book. Actually, we uh, we started to do so many, so many rush tunes that people started to call in them that I I started wanting the best. The next best, best thing was to was to create the book, and uh, but I wanted the book to be something extremely special, and and to be to be completely honest with you, I was extremely nervous to do it <laughs> because uh, to do something that actually pays tribute to Ross or has anything to do with Ross, it has to be close to perfect. And I'm not saying the book is perfect, but uh, it has to pay everything that they are about and actually I wanted to put all the love that I have for the band into the book and uh, I thought that the, be- the best thing that I could do to show the artwork was to have one um, 
one comic strip or one one particular poster or anything into a single face so that people actually could appreciate all the artistry that all the artists that work with me actually put into the group. Mm-hmm. So it's a very long answer to your, to your <laughs> question, but... Uh, I wanted but, a long yeah. answer. I, I love it. Now, uh, get the, the three guys in Rush are very... I think t- to call them characters is a very good word for what they are. Yeah. They're characters. They're funny guys. They're goofballs. Uh, they're very, yeah. They have ver- three very distinct different looks. Uh, was yeah. it was it easy to kind of transform Getty Lee into a cartoon character and the same with the other two guys? Absolutely. Um, and I'm not saying this obviously diminish any of those guys in any way, but they all have so... I mean, they all have a very clear personality to each of them. And uh, and also, they are very different uh, physically from one another. Uh, Getty Lee was the easiest one to turn into a cartoon because he's his facial features and and, and and how he basically changes image throughout the decade mm-hmm. it's the easiest one. I mean you get the nose, you get the uh, mm-hmm. you get the, the, the glasses and <laughs> the hair and how he changes hairstyles and things like that. Sure. Um uh same with uh, with Neil, right? Uh, so you get the the Neil that I I, I would say at least in in, in in the comics that we've done the deal that people love the most is uh, the professor, the master's deal. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and uh, and then afterwards, he has obviously the, the, the half of his paints throughout the tours and things like that. He also has a very distinctive nose as well. Um, and then you get you get Alex, and, and Alex was probably the hardest one to turn into a cartoon character because his, his features... Are are more regular than the two other guys. Yeah, usually the hardest ones to draw, and uh, not not necessarily from mostly from a personality perspective because he has he's the uh, the funniest one of all, at least <laughs> sure. to me. Um, but uh, but I mean to to draw him is it's always a hard job, and it's always the hardest one to get the, some of the artists to actually get him right. So let me ask you about. You as a fan, how was your relationship with Rush's music? Do you have a favorite uh, era or a favorite album? Yeah, I mean, I um, I started listening to Rush in the early '90s, and uh, it, it's a funny story because I was uh, I was seeing a friend of mine playing uh, at a bar, and they played this fantastic song that I fell in love with. Right, so when they finished the set. I was like, man, I mean, you guys wrote that song. It's, it's amazing. And the one that you actually closed the set is fantastic. And it actually turned out to be self-division. <laughs> <laughs> um, so from there on, I, I actually I got my first uh, first record, which was probably uh, my seventh or eighth uh, CD of, 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 of my all-time collection, actually. Mm-hmm. And I got show of hands. Um, but uh, basically what the what I what I uh, I had subdivisions are closer to hard a bunch of other things that my friends actually have recommended me and from then on I I never stopped I mean I then got into roll the bones and uh, then what is actually probably my favorite rush record which is counterpart yeah um, all right <laughs> all right I like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean and that. Counterparts was the record that the first record that I bought uh, the day it came out. 
and I wouldn't say necessarily that they came out because I, I used to live in Venezuela in South America. And, obviously, and at that time, obviously, the, the internet is not what it is today. And we actually ne we never got the, the records the day they came out, usually a couple of weeks after or whatever. But I remember vividly when I put on uh, counterparts. And it was, I, when I heard Animate, which is still probably one of my top three songs ever. And uh, when I heard that song, it, I was immediately hooked forever. <laughs> it, it's such an amazing, and the record as a whole, yeah. I mean, Cold Fire, it's just, it's just an unbelievable record. I love the sound of the record. Yeah, I completely so agree. Guitar. Now, uh, one of so, the things I'm jealous of, David, is, I say this a lot, because I'm, I'm 23 and I wasn't around when, well, I, I guess I was around, but I was like f uh, four years old. Um, to, <laughs> to go from Roll the Bones as the most recent Rush album, and, you know, Presto and Roll the Bones, and to go into Counterparts, must have made counterparts seem even better. Not to diminish those other two records at all, but in my experience and with talking with fans of the show, counterparts is generally considered a higher quality album. So to compare it back to back with Roll the Bones must have been really cool. If it was, I mean, and and I don't know, I don't know what it is. I mean, I think again, I mean, to me, it is. It has. I I hear Alex's guitar was at the forefront. I don't know, it was such a rock record that I, I lost the way it sounds. And uh, it, it, it actually improved uh, a little, I mean, as, as you were saying, not to diminish the other albums, but to me, it spoke more to me at that time than the other ones, actually. And, uh, but with that, being, with that being said, though, I, when, when I heard the entire uh, show of hands, I, I loved that, that live album, actually. And there's, so many 80s songs in there uh, that I, I really fell in love with. Uh, but when Counterparts came out, it definitely it was the record that, that hooked me on even more. Wow, man. That's really cool. I, anytime someone com somebody comes on the show and, and talks about how great Counterparts is, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I, I get all tingly inside. <laughs> I've said it before. There <laughs> Go ahead. Do you get a lot of a lot of people actually that say that the record that record is great? I mean, many of my friends they they don't necessarily regard counterparts or even the '90s records as something that is kind of their favorite era or their favorite album, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's one of the reasons that I do the show is to kind of attract the people who. Well, you know, people who like moving pictures and like 2112 and, and Signals, but have a, a strong appreciation for those 90s albums, for the newer stuff, for the 80s albums, and everything else. Um, so while you're right, Counterparts is probably still not the most popular among every fan, the, the, the listeners in the Rushcast community um, almost collectively, I know there's people screaming at me right now who don't enjoy Counterparts, but a lot of Rushcast listeners are very much into that album. Cool, that's, that's amazing, actually. That's really, really cool. So your book uh, retails for $40 online, is that correct? That's correct, yes. Wow, 200 pages for 40 bucks. Where, where is yeah. Where is the place to get the book? Is there somewhere that you would prefer people purchase it? 
Yeah, I mean, there's, we have an Etsy store where we sell a print that we do, and we sell our book as well. Um, so we also sell it on Amazon, just everybody... Uh, everybody goes to Amazon, and Amazon is always the biggest biggest store in the world. And uh, I I usually prefer people to go to Etsy, not because uh, of anything, because I ship them to the to it's myself who ships them in both places. But I think Etsy it has also some of our prints, and it has a bunch of other things that we don't sell in Amazon. And but but to be honest, if they want to get the book, I don't I don't mind either of the two places. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to to create this? Wow. Um, maybe about two years, mm-hmm. roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, and is so, it is it like what's the process like? Is it by hand and then transferred to computer? Is it all computer? Is it only by hand? Um, it's it, it's a combination actually, and and that's what's really cool and what I really like about the book because. It's twenty-two different artists, and uh, and the, the the way the way I write all the content is completely different. Sometimes I do a sketch, and depending on on the theme and what I am trying to do, I would send it to one artist. I would finish it myself, or I would send it to another artist. Sometimes, for example, if I if I have a if I want to make a spoof, uh, an advertising or about a brand, and I combine it with cross. Uh, then I would send this to a guy that I know does really well illustration from the 60s and 60s, kind of that magazine style with a lot of texture. So depending on the idea that I have, I would I would contact the right guy for the job, for example. Um, there's one per- there's one particular illustration that I really like, and and, I, and again the process for that one is I did the sketch and uh, I put it together, and I really wanted it to be. Uh, I don't know if you if, if you're aware of this is this kind of illustration that only use kind of like positive and negative space. It's the only two colors, uh-huh. and it's called the the roots of brush. So what I did is underneath the ground, I I put in like a like a a, a zeppelin inside of it. I put like the newspaper from from the Jethro Tull record. I put the the uh, the body reach. Uh, um, the body, body reach symbol that uh, that, uh, that is that was on the drum. So kind of all the, all all of Rush's influences have roots in there. And then on top, uh, there is a tree with the starman in the middle, and all the different icons from the different records coming mm-hmm. out of uh, out of the ground. Right, sort of like representing how Rush grew out of all these fantastic bands from all from all different styles and, and a combination of, of many of many things. And uh, and that particular style could only be done by a designer. There's a guy that I worked with in London who actually did, did, the, did the illustration, and it, it came out really nicely. Again, I apologize for the long answer for the short question. Hey, but, man, listen, we uh, do a long podcast. Long answers are cool with me. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, that's why I have you on. I want to hear about this stuff in detail, you know? Cool. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only the only problem is I start listening to what you're saying and I forget what I'm going to ask next. <laughs> That's the only downside. Uh, oh, so how did you decide? For a while now, there have been samples on the internet. I know. I think Rush as a band has said, you know, here's a here's a sample of some of the fan tune comics that are coming yeah. out in the book. How did you decide, or who decided, which ones would be released 
before the book? Oh, um, very, very good question. Um, uh, part of it is basically what I think is going, what's going to work. About 60, now, at the moment the book was released, maybe 75 or 80% of the illustrations were not harvested. Wouldn't have been released at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of it is some uh, illustrations and comments that people haven't seen, about 25% to 30%. Right. Uh, it's, it's now being released. And I sometimes release it on. Uh, we have something called the Rush Tuesday. And uh, every Tuesday, at a minimum, uh, we would release a comic uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and our phantoms.tv web, website. Um, and and obviously, I mean, you get to see the feedback immediately, right? Uh, there are some that, that are complete hits, and people really, really love it because, I don't know, I mean, it just strikes uh, into a particular theme or topic that people people have in their heads. So we did, a, for example, like a homage to Venus and, uh, and Rush, where uh, actually it, it's, it's inspired a, a little bit me in that 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 debate that Alex and Getty always had about keyboard, and uh, and it actually, I mean, it went all being shared. At God knows how many times. I know about two hundred thousand people saw the comic. Yeah, which uh, was unbelievable. I never thought something like that could happen. So you get things like that, and you get others that are not as big, but then people react in a way that they really love it because it's about a single song or. Or 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 an obscure obscure song that they don't they don't particularly see any art or anything about it. Uh, so that 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 that's based on on sometimes the feedback that I see on people. Usually, I put in I put in some of the comics and others. It's just the way I feel. I mean, there's 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 no formula that I could tell you. Oh, I know this is going to work because sometimes I think something's going to work and it just doesn't. Yeah, uh, I don't get I don't get the reaction that I'm expecting. It's not that I put more effort into one comic or another, but there's there's really no formula. I mean, sometimes I I do something really really quickly because I have the deadline. I mean, it's very important. Even though uh, it, there's there's no publication necessarily awaiting the illustrations to me and to my audience. There's a lot of respect in terms of releasing the comics every week. No matter what, and uh, I, I, and sometimes I mean, life gets in the middle, and you don't have as much time as you wish to, and then you have to release the very best that you have there. And I'm not 100 uh, percent. Uh, I don't like it 100 percent, but I, I say, well, it's good enough. Let's 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 release it. And sometimes those that I don't put as much effort are the ones that actually hit. He's the bigger, <laughs> right? So it's it, it's really weird, man. I I, I it, it's it's such a wonderful experience because it's really putting yourself out there every week. Every week, I'm scared. The hell, I'm I'm really scared. Every time I release something online, I'm scared because <laughs> I I want people to enjoy what I'm putting out there, right? right. And, this, I, I, and you never know. This reminds me of. Um, me on Twitter with my personal Twitter account trying to be funny. <laughs> yeah, I work on a tweet all day long and then I'll throw it out there to the internet hoping it's going to hit and be funny. And then, you know, sometimes they're complete busts and I don't understand why no one thinks it's funny. And, and sometimes the ones I think are just eh are hilarious to yeah. people. So I, I don't get it either. 
exactly. It's, it's 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 very very difficult. But hey, I mean, it, it's why why we do this. And with this book in particular, I gotta say, the most fantastic thing for me has been to meet fellow fans and 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 man, their amazing stories and and how much they have enjoyed. I mean. I, I won't. I won't spend a long time in this podcast saying how hard we worked. But I tell you, man, we when since we started doing the book, actually putting it together into 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 the actual physical format, we didn't sleep for about six months. <laughs> it was it was on. I cannot tell you how much work it was. Then it was the Kickstarter, <laughs> which I thought it was a click, kind of the pinnacle of the work. But no, hell no, it wasn't the pinnacle. There was the top of the work. The top of the work was putting together the whole package of the stuff that we offered to people as part of sending everything out. Um, we are not huge or anything, so basically all the packaging was done by me and my wife. Wow. Oh, man. No, so was, was we, the... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, did you say that again? No, I, I didn't want to interrupt you. Were you done? Oh, no, no. Um. So it, it, it was... It was a lot of work, and and, and again, I was a nervous wreck. Mm-hmm. I was so scared for, I mean, just seeing when people are, were going to get the package and what was going to be the feedback. Because again, I mean, as you also know, I mean, you never know. It might be that people hate the book and actually all two years were down the toilet, and 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 I was, I would have been completely depressed to be honest, <laughs> uh, because it's something you love so much. You put so much passion into it. You put everything you have. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, I'm sh- there's a lot of things we could have done better, but it was the absolute best food that I could release up to that point. Uh, there's sure. nothing I could have done more than what we did. And uh, obviously, even knowing that, that people are appreciating everything from the package to the actual book, it's been, it's been an amazing experience. So they actually have taken the time to write to us to just express your feelings about how great it's the book, how much they're enjoying it, how much the love of the fan is in there, how much the love of the fans is in there, which which was my one of my top priorities there that people see how much there how much love there is for this band from 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 all the fans and everybody out there. And uh it's been it's been unbelievable and actually I'll take this opportunity to say thank you to everybody who has bought it and who's taken the time to share anything about the book because it's been probably my, the best experience in my entire career. You know, I mean, thank you for doing this. This is an, a neat thing to experience. I think one of the things that made, when I first saw it, and I saw the, a big chunk of samples that you had released, I enjoyed them all and thought, well, there, there's all of them. Why would I buy the book? But to see that there are so many that we st- still have not seen, if you, ha- if you don't own the book, that's yeah. incentive enough to, to purchase it. If you like everything you've seen so far and to know there's, like you said, 75% of it left, you know, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank and it you. must be really <laughs> cool. It must be cool for you to, like, if you sell the book, you, you sell all of those comics at once. You don't really get to see which ones hit and which ones don't. But like you said, when you post them individually every Tuesday, yeah. you get to see which exactly. ones hit, which ones are successful. Yeah. So yes. that's a really cool uh, concept that I hadn't considered. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 uh, to be honest, when we started to do the comics itself, 
um, it, it was because to do an animated episode, they, it cost a lot of money, basically. Um, so I wanted to do, to, so I said, well, how do I, how can I release some of these little stories or little parodies to the people without going bankrupt? And uh, and that's when when it occurred to me to start releasing the web comic strip, the comic strip, and uh, and we've had so much fun, man. I mean, it it it's been really really amazing, really amazing. So, as uh, someone who's involved with the visual arts, uh, how how do you feel about Hugh Symes' artwork with the band? Is there is there an album cover or a secondary image for an album that you really enjoy? I first of all, I, that guy is a freaking genius. I mean, his his artwork and his designs—they are you, you could you could actually just tell a story just by looking at the at, at any of his covers. But my, I gotta say, my favorite one has to be Grace Under Pressure. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a beautiful artwork, man. I mean, you yeah. can make up. Anything that you can that you want, and I'm pretty pretty sure everybody can make their own story out of that. And sure. uh, it's, I mean, I obviously have others, others that I love, but I think that one, that one would be, and I also love Test for Echo as well. Yeah, Test for Echo also, it's 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 pretty amazing. What it's what so I really like about Test for Echo is not only the cover, which is beautiful, but what's on the back of the album and what's inside yeah. the book. All the, the yeah. secondary artwork for that album is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, Oh, and the snakes and arrows one, man, that is <laughs> freaking, and the, the booklet of snakes and arrows. Yes. Is fantastic. Each, each song I, I, has its own, uh, associated, uh, photograph with it, right? Sorry. Can you say that again? I, th- I think inside the booklet of snakes and arrows, each individual song with the lyrics has its yeah. own, image exactly exactly and they're no, they're beautiful beautiful yeah we did we did a we did a parody actually of the uh of the you know the the the, the far cry uh oh the uh, carriage yeah exactly yep. where we had we had this three the three boys as babies going <laughs> just just pulling it and running over I kind of like just expressing a little bit uh, what I what I felt when I saw very last concert in LA. Um, I I thought these guys these guys I mean they they to me they 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 play like they're in their thirties you know in their twenties they have so much energy still mm-hmm. that uh, I I wanted to do something with that with that uh, with that that illustration and then take the picture of Vegas and having fun in it. And it was it went really well on Ennis. So actually, that's not in the book because it was it was done uh, at the end of the R forty tour. But uh, but but you you have so much material that you can have fun throughout all his fine uh, artwork. That that uh, it, it's, it's great. Actually, I got the I got the book, The Art of Frost, and I I haven't read it all, but it's it's a beautiful book. Just an amazing work. Yeah, it looks like it's really well put together. Like yeah, it, it was printed it well, and it, you know, it, it organized well, and things like that. Hey, oh, I, yeah, I, I yeah. just remembered. Uh, was there any? I mean, <laughs> I was gonna say, was there any thought? I'm sure there was some thought put into it. 
Uh, how did you decide the order for the comics? I'm very... People tease me about this. I'm very interested in how songs are ordered on albums. How did the band decide yeah. that this song would be first and this song would be fourth or not instead of last? So I'm curious yeah. with your book as well. How did you decide? Is there any kind of sequencing involved? Yeah, well, it's funny you ask that. The book actually has, I think, it's seven different different uh, sections into it. So the first the first one is basically we did parodies of uh, ads. We we grabbed brands and we started to have fun with them. We we did, uh, for example, like uh, instead of uh, General Electric. Uh, for washing machines, we did a Giddy Lee washing machine and, and and stuff like that that actually has to do with, with the band. So we did a bunch of parodies that are related to bands at the beginning. And I actually, I wanted that in the first chapter because it would connect immediately with people, right? It, 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 I, I thought, well, a lot of these parodies are going to connect immediately because people are aware of, of all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Then after that, uh, we did we did a bunch of cartoons that are inspired uh, and it inspired uh, uh, because we're we're never going to be like those guys but inspired by the New Yorker some some some, some black and white cartoons oh, that cool. just it, it, yeah grab uh, a little moment of history in the band and uh, yeah we just make a little commentary about it and uh, <laughs> there's there's some that people will understand some of them people won't understand. And uh, and that uh, that was the second one. I wanted the first one to be the easiest one to get into. Then you start get, getting more into uh, so something a little bit more 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 obscure. Then we we go into the actual comic strips itself. Again, I mean it has things like uh, we we did a cartoon uh, uh, we, we called mumbling uh, um, mumbling something like the, the band that Neil talks about when he started. That came from a comic strip called Little Abner. Um, so I actually illustrated uh, the three guys in the style of Little Abner uh, as a previous to that, 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 that kind of that part of life uh, of Neil. So that's a little bit of skew from those people, and then we, I had a little commentary into it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that everybody that actually bought the book, by the way, would know that, but I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily know who was going to buy it or not when I put it together. Right. But that actually has to do into it. So how how pure uh, some of the things were and things like that. And and the other part is the, there was two two two, uh, two sections. One where we did movie posters uh, with Rush, and the other one where we did the twenty all twenty studio albums of serial. Um. So those were those were the, the final child, final sections of the book because uh, because of the orientation of the book and I mean the, uh, the the book is landscape and for those very last chapters people have to turn the book around in order to appreciate the entire page of the illustration. So it has a combination between uh, all the, the reader experience in terms of uh, to avoid having people turn the book around a lot. And, and secondly, it's just what I thought was going to get people into the book more and then develop it further, basically. Is it safe, <laughs> is it safe to say you you were the biggest Rush fan um, in your Fan Tunes group? On your cur- Sorry, can you say... 
like, like were you were you the biggest Rush fan, or was every were you the Absolutely. other cartoonists uh, fans no, as well? No, 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 no. I am the biggest Rush fan. There's there's artists that actually worked with me in the book that didn't know what Rush was. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, and actually, one of them is now a Rush fan, which means that I actually did my job. Yeah, you you converted one of them. <laughs> so, That's really yeah, funny. Yeah. No, yeah, there's there's people who don't don't there's there's one artist actually. It's uh it's a female artist from uh from Iran and she did one of the illustrations. It's beautiful. It's basically based on on, on the dwarfs of the Cogwork Angel. Uh-huh. We we haven't released that one online and she doesn't know what they are or anything, <laughs> but it's one of the most artistic illustrations and her style is something mind blowing, James. Yeah, and uh, and she did an amazing job. Uh, as long as you direct them uh, into to the right place, they don't necessarily have to be fun. They just have to understand what's the purpose of the illustration. But we are trying to communicate there, sure. and I'm I'm there to make sure the that they actually it's accurate and it's communicating what what it needs to communicate. You can find the book on Etsy. It's forty dollars. David, thank you so much for coming on my show, man. No. I'm, Thank you. I, I hope this was uh, interesting. Like I said, I'm not a very interesting guy. <laughs> I, listen, um, everybody says that before they do do Rushcast. They're like, listen, I'm, I'm really boring. <laughs> Why? But I wouldn't ask you if I, if I didn't think you were interesting. So I really appreciate it. And I thought it was fascinating. And I think my, my listeners did as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, well, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. Brought to, you no, by, say brought to you by Knickerbocker. Uh, I want to bring something up, which before I read some articles on it was way more exciting. So I'm just going to say it as though I didn't read these articles. Get your reaction and then we'll discuss further. Uh, scientists have uh, started to break down the DNA of octopus. Octopi. <laughs> Octopus. Octop- the plural of mantis is man, not manti. I know that. Okay. Uh, but it's not mantises? No, it's... Mantis? Mant... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I know it's not octopuses. Right, no, it's, I think it's octopi. Okay. Uh, they studied their DNA. It is unlike anything else on this planet. It is baffling to so them. It's about octopus and not squid. Not squid. The octopus. The octopus has a giant brain. If it lived for more than a year, supposedly, it would be the dominant species on the planet. You mean they die? They, they have. They, a year they have a up? very short lifespan. Octopi have a very short lifespan. Uh, what if octopus is plural, like deer? I th- I'm pretty sure it's octopi. I'm okay. going to stick to it. We'll, we'll... Also, it's U.S. not I.S. like mantis, so it's probably different. So right. Right. Okay. Um. Interesting. So, all these uh, conceptions of how we view Martians, the big heads, right, is in line with right. Octopus. So, they, and the article I just read said, "Well, no, they didn't come from other planets. Of course not. There is an evolutionary track back to uh, a common an- yeah, ancestor. It's they, these are not as I thought for the last two weeks." Swimming aliens. <laughs> <laughs> With eight fucking legs. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I mean, Squidward's a weird dude, but very smart and un- also, misunderstood. A squid, I, I understand. He is misunderstood. The guy wears a shirt but no pants. He's pantless all the time. No, seriously. Uh, let's let's get real here. Aliens. Okay. <laughs> let's get real. Uh, it's interesting that I mean, people always bring up we know more about the universe than we do about our own oceans. Sure. Yeah, but like, we know what's down there, like water. <laughs> you know, there's some water, and then there's some dirt, and then there's some lava. Right. I think. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much the list. Maybe some rocks. So, uh, you know, the universe is much bigger than that. So that's what I. That's my argument. Yeah. To say we've that, studied five percent of our ocean. It is. It is fascinating that it is so deep. We don't. We haven't been there. Is interesting. There have been, there's like some old movies, I think, where aliens come out of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't doubt that there's some weird stuff down there. I mean, there's some weird Oh, absolutely. Fish. I mean, it's, a, and, and like when you get way down when the pressure is so high, and so like you have to, it just has to be a different type of life right. form yep. to even survive. Now, there's a giant squid, mm-hmm. like as a species, that they've seen one of once, I think. They have a video. And one washed like up on a beach or something. I think it got caught in a fishing net. Something like that. It's the that. one I, I saw. But they're like, they it had been rumored of its existence, and then they're like, oh my god, giant squid, and then it was gone. Is what I thought. I don't, know if, I don't know. Giant squids are fascinating. They're also creepy. Freaky, man. Yeah. Well, ever since I found that out, so like we serve octopus at my new restaurant where you, I bartend. You serve Martian. Yes. Liquid Martian. And I've eaten it once. Okay. Never again. You hated I, it. I it was delicious. They freak me the fuck out. Octopus in general as a species when you look at it, when it moves and they're so clever, and they got the whole ink thing, maybe that's squid, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm just freaked out. They don't look like they should exist. So how was it served? How was it prepared? They're just the legs grilled. Do they look like octopus legs? Yes. <laughs> Tentacles are on them, right? Oh God! I, how, how how big were they? Like I uh, not too big, I, I like a lot of different sizes. Uh, and then maybe six inches long each one. One le- full leg. Uh, two legs, yeah, on the plate. Oh, so those are small. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Octopi. Octopi. It, it sounds like um, you know, some southern restaurant where a restaurant where they have a competition. Uh, you know, if you eat ten pounds of steak. You get it for free. <laughs> There's also like, or you can join the octopi competition, right? Where just, you have to eat eight pies. <laughs> oh, I yeah, right. <laughs> eight pies, no octopies. Right. <laughs> you have to eat eight octopi. They're shaped like stop them. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, it's an octopi. Oh. <laughs> that was the dumbest joke we maybe ever told on this I podcast, like and it was so good. It was amazing. <laughs>